0: Father, thank you. Man, we are overwhelmed. Overwhelmed by your wisdom and your mercy and your grace and your patience. And I'm overwhelmed because how could you use me? How could you use all my brothers and sisters here, Lord? Do they know the mistakes we've made? Do they know... How limited we are. I mean, we're not even good at being Christians, but yet you use us and, and you love us and you continually are here in, in our presence, in our midst. And so we're just overwhelmed and we're grateful. Lord, I pray that every word that would come out of my mouth, it's not from you, you would stop it. And, and only your words that you want me to say would come out. I pray that the people that want to hear what you have to say, who have eyes and ears to see and hear it would, and those who aren't ready, that, that maybe today, it would be stored in their spirit, Lord. And at some point in time, it would click. So be with us as we go through a very familiar scripture. Make it new. I pray. Amen. Ooh, look at that. See that? For God so loved the world. I mean, we got, we've got kind of a, a family Sunday today. So I'm sure even the rock climbers know this verse, right? If, if not, you might be home later watching football and you might see this on a sign too, right? Like John 3.16. But We're going through the book of John. So if you grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. We'll start there. Before we get there, you've probably heard this, right? Context is important. You know, you, you, you take any little verse, right? We put those numbers there. If, if uh, John wrote this, he didn't say, and for chapter 14, Jesus said, no. right? We, we put those divisions there. So let's take a step back. Uh, we went to greater length at discussing this in Sunday night church. It's not a closed club, man. Everyone come. So four to six, we talk about these things. We, we ask questions. We get in deeper or take appropriate uh, field trips, right, on, on other s- sections of Scripture. So you're welcome to come. Jesus is talking, right? Who's he talking to in this ch- chapter three here? Nicodemus. Who's Nicodemus? A Pharisee, Right? A king of religion, a very knowledgeable man, a man of power, authority, shows up in the night to try to figure out what this Jesus guy is up to, what he's about. We've been through a whole journey with this. You know, hey, be born again. What does that mean? Um, and then Jesus does this thing. He said in verse 14, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Now, if you don't know the Old Testament, that, that could be a little bit, what are you, okay, Moses, I know that guy, right? I've seen that movie. Um, so what's going on here? And then, and then he goes forward to say the verse we're really familiar with. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Well, where this is from is Numbers 21. We, we looked at this last week. Let's take a look at it again. Remember when uh, God sent Moses and he took everyone out of Egypt? You guys saw that movie too, right? Told the Pharaoh, let my people go, some kind of song and dance. And then they, they, they left and... And they weren't obedient to God's plan. They, had, they doubted God's goodness. And so do you remember how long they had to wander around in the wilderness? 40 years. That doesn't sound like fun. Took a little hike yesterday, not a 40-year hike. That, that's a law of diminishing returns. It becomes less enjoyable over time the more that you do that. Well, the people were getting grumpy often because even though they were captives... This is how we work, right? Even though they were slaves and captives, they got comfortable with that life. And when they were taken out of it, they longed, can we just go back to Egypt? We're tired of hiking. And then God sent this food from heaven. What was the word for that? Manna. So yeah, right? God supernaturally provided. They were getting tired of that food. They were complaining again against Moses, against God. And this time in verse six, says, then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten, When he sees it, shall live. Wait, okay. Snakes, poisonous snakes, biting all your friends. Some people are dying. And Moses prays and God's like, we're gonna have you make a a bronze statue. And if you look at it, when you get bit, you won't die. This is greater than in science fiction. This is awesome, right? The truth is sometimes more fascinating. So Moses made a bronze serpent. We talked about this last week, too. How interesting is that? Who was making the bronze serpent? How long did it take? And meanwhile, were the snakes continuing to attack? How odd is that, right? Like, Moses over here doing an art project, and Billy over here is getting bit by a snake. Uh, weird. But this is, how, this is real life, okay? So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole... And that didn't stop the serpents from biting. You see that? They still bit people. But anyone who looked on the bronze serpent would live, even though they were bit by a poisonous snake. Okay, serpent. The question is, there's some kind of metaphor here, right? Because Jesus is saying, I'm like that. Well, What do you mean? Just no, I'm like that. Remember Moses, the bronze serpent? Yeah, that's like me. The son of man has to be lifted up. Okay, wait. These guys, they knew their history. They knew what we have recorded there about Moses. So the serpent had a particular meaning. What, what in the world did the serpent mean? You guys have some guesses? What's a serpent mean? Stand for. What's that? Satan? Yeah. What, what else does serpent stand for? Sin? Sin? What is it? temptation yeah what else not trusting. not trusting okay a lack of faith obedience punishment cunning craftiness right we were just hiking and brandy's all of a sudden saw a snake out of nowhere right right here in prescott a rattlesnake right there on the trail if you go hiking this time of year it's a good thing she's full ninja and the lord was with her so otherwise we'd been in trouble um But let's see, where did it start from? That's great that, you know, Sue said this, Chris said this, but let me show you, I don't want to belabor this point. What's that? Sin, yeah. I don't want to belabor this point, but where did the serpent first show up in the scripture? Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Remember what story this is from? Adam and Eve. So he he was crafty. He, you didn't see him coming, a lot like that snake on the trail yesterday, right? We didn't see it coming. The last place where the snake is discussed is actually in Revelation, snake or serpent, depending on which translation you're in. Revelation 20, verse 2. So this is such a cool story, right? But it, it says like this, And he sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into a pit, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Okay, fast forward, right, to verse 10. What's happened between in those little dot, 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 dot thing is Jesus has been reigning for a thousand years. Satan has been locked up. Once he gets out, he is so crafty, that serpent, so cunning, so sneaky, so convincing, that he turns the people that Jesus has been ruling in peace for a thousand years, they turns them on Jesus. This is why Jesus as president of the United States would not change the world long term because evil is still here, right? So what happens is he convinces everyone to march on Jerusalem and wrath has to come. And then in verse 10, it says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Right? You think about eternal absence from God or hell Uh this is what the Bible is describing, this lake of fire that uh, you're being tormented night and day. It's not like a sexy club med or something like that. This is a very bad thing. And that's where the snake, the serpent, ends up. So then based on that, I think your guys' guesses are, are right on. So if the serpent represents the cunning and craftiness of sin evil and judgment, why was he put on a pole? The curse, yeah. And where we get that, the reason why, what Chris said over there is because that's a curse. The reason why we get that, if you're taking notes, once again, you guys can go back, if you get, if you get the sermon in a nutshell, you can go back or you can go right on to YouTube and, and pull this back up. But Galatians 3.13 says this, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. So the idea is the serpent, whatever it represents, is cursed because it's hung. Where that comes from, the author of Galatians, he knows his history. And back in Deuteronomy, part of the law that was given to them included a couple things here. And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, you hang him on a tree. Then more of that, that chapter. For a hanged man is cursed by... Okay, so let's put that together, guys. I know, this could be like mind-melting, especially in the area of foggy-headedness, of allergies and COVID, right? The serpent, evil, sin, the cunning and craftiness of that, and the judgment, because. That's why the serpents came, to bring judgment to the whining, complaining Israelites who spoke against Moses and God, Okay? What he did is crafted, not a valuable metal, but bronze, right? A more abundant and available metal. Crafted a snake, which represents sin, judgment, evil. Put it on a pole, which means that sin, judgment, evil, cunning is being killed, judged, cursed. Everything put on the tree, hung on the tree is cursed. So here's an artist's rendering of maybe what it could look like. So you see that it's, the idea was, it was all about faith. It was all about truth. And it really was all about what was going to happen. And now Jesus has just completed this whole picture here. Jesus is like, understand One of the reasons I'm here, not only am I building this kingdom, and everyone who wants to come into this kingdom must be born again. But for me, I must be cursed on your behalf. I must hang on that tree. The Son of Man must be lifted up, and then lifted up in order to save you. Here's the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him. Who's he? Who's he? Right, God made him, Jesus. For God made Jesus to be sin. Not not just to sin, but to be sin. Who knew no sin. He became sin even though he had no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. See, that's, that's what kind of happened. You look at this. I'll give you one more. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Romans 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. See, that's what's happening. Jesus had to be cursed so we could be reconciled, returned to relationship with God. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So here's what's happening. I'll go, you were, someone's writing that? Okay, so what's happening? Let me go to the picture and I'll come back. So what's happening is Jesus' is foreshadowing, is a word we might use, of what's going to happen. What you see here is sin and evil being judged. And what later on Paul and the other writers of the New Testament keep telling us, is please understand, Jesus had to become sin. So what, you, what God could see was this, sin and judgment being killed, being cursed, being destroyed, because that was the punishment that had to be paid. Right? Do you get that? Like judgment and wrath is still coming. It's just those whose, whose ticket's been paid by Jesus, we're, we're alive forever, right? Not physically, but spiritually. So what happened is Jesus first took this form, took the form of sin to take on curse, shed his body, and then was resurrected. And now he's ascended. While we were enemies, while you were an enemy to God, Jesus became your sin. Everything that you've done, everything that you're gonna do, every. every shortcoming, every time you've missed the mark, every despicable and dirty and foolish thing you have done, everything you're struggling with now, he became the embodiment of all of that. And you're like, well, I curse that thing I've done. Well, it was. It was hung on the tree like that serpent. And so what those Israelites saw was the truth. The truth is, There's deliverance in God from all the sin, all the curse, all the judgment. And Jesus didn't stop there. Not only did he pay for our sin, we wouldn't have hope if he just paid for our sin because how could we live? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Okay, reconciled, yes. What's that mean? Brought back? Yeah. What about in a practical way? Two. Like, how, how does that feel? What does that look like? I'm reconciled to God. Our debt is paid. Clean. Yeah. The relationship is healed. Born again. I mean how many of us still look at God like this like right right how many of us still look at God like this or okay here's how it works out reconcile the the debt was paid God is like Randy is pure and white as snow In Sandy laughs, right? Because she's been living with him all these years. She knows it's not true in his own will. But because of what Christ has done, who Jesus is, the fact that he killed every wrongdoing of Randy on that cross, like that snake. And then he went beyond that much more. Now Now that we are reconciled, it's what's happened, shall we be saved by his life? What does that mean to be saved by Jesus' life? Resurrected? He took all your sins. Gave us an example. This is all very good stuff. You guys are smarter than me. What what about you guys over here? Something else? Maybe, Maybe we can think about it like this. Just because Jesus saved you and reconciled you once, that's great, okay? That's, that's absolutely huge. But now what? It's, I'm going to use the wrong word, okay? But it's, it's not complete. It's not finished yet. Because if it were, you would receive the reconciliation and you would leave your body in this earth because your body is cursed. Not that it can't be a blessing, right? God can take cursed things and turn them around, but... It's over for your body. There's no, there's nothing. There's no pill. There's no antioxidant you can take or eat that's gonna make your body live forever. It's not coming for you. This body will, will die and that's what you're encountering every day, right? Um, so you have to live this out after you're reconciled. This is where religion gets a little... I'm going into a place I didn't expect to go, guys, so forgive me if it's an incomplete, not well thought out, but uh, reconciliation was done for you in a moment. Do you see that? In the moment, the forever sacrifice was made for you to pay for your sin. You don't have to do anything else about that, Okay? Thank you, Je- I heard someone say, thank you, Jesus. That's that second part. Oh man, more than that, we should rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus, who we've now re- received reconciliation. But here's the tricky thing. Here's why I'm supposed to exhort you. I'm supposed to encourage and enable you to live after that. And what it's saying is the way that you live, you're saved by the life of Jesus. Not, not just the life of those 30 some years, but the life that started before that, it ends never, right? The life of Christ, the Holy Spirit that lives in you. How are you going to live? How are you going to do this so that you don't go back to the vomit of your old life before you were reconciled? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the life of Christ. And so praise God. He paid for my sins. Praise God. He's providing a way to do differently. Not to get that reconciliation but it's, because it's done, but to get life. Right, we'll get there. John 10, 10, I've come, right? That they might have life and have it abundantly. So now in light of that, let's look at this, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Here, what does the world mean? Okay, the people... Yeah, because it could be like the planet. It could be the people. It could be systems. I I don't think it's the planet. I mean, although he loves it, that's not why he came. It's not for the world systems, clearly. Um, It's for the people. For the you and I's. For our neighbors, our friends, our family. Coworkers. God so loved the world. Wait, I thought it was God so loved the people that behaved well and obeyed him. I think Romans said something different. While we were still enemies, right? Like like while we were still far off from him, he chose this. If you feel like you're far off, man, he's not done with you. He came for you. God loved you so much that he gave his only son, that's Jesus. And whoever believes in. If, if you haven't been here, we found in the Greek and the New Testament, the words that we translate believe in, sometimes means believe in, and sometimes it means believe on. Right? Pistuo ice believe in. Pistuo epi, believe on. This is actually believe in, which messes with my brain a little bit. And I might be wrong in this, but I love it because this is how it really works. When you come to Jesus, and when you throw yourself at his feet, the best you can do is believe in him. Right? I believe in you. I I know that you're real, and I I want to walk this. It's kind of like Nicodemus knew about him, but, but Jesus had to say, I can't explain to you how the Spirit works unless it happens to you. And you don't believe me anyway. And so that's like that, until you start walking with Jesus, it starts by believing in him. And as you walk with him more, what we should see is like, wow. That Jerry, I'm seeing him believe on Christ more and more and more. Does that make sense? It's kind of like that guy, right, with the, the kid he wanted healing. Well, if you have faith or if you believe, your, your child will be healed. And then, he's like, I believe. And then he was honest. He's like, but help me because I'm having a hard time Believing. For God so loved every one of us, even the ones that were far off, even the ones that are mad at him, even the ones that are hurting, that whoever would just muster just enough to throw themselves at his feet, they would not perish, they but have eternal life. And then we forget to add the second one, which is really important. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, right? So what does that mean if you're feeling condemned? Where is that not coming from? Not coming from God. Okay. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that says, It's his love that leads you to want to do better and change your life. Not his condemnation. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And the saved word we've hijacked, it means they said some weird prayer, right? No, like rescue. like, oh man, I'll tell you what, Bill, I'm going to need to be rescued this afternoon right? You too? Like, how, how am I going to do it later? I, there's a class tonight to put on. We have to drive back and forth. I've got a wife. How am I going to treat her? I've got three kids, right? Like, what does God want me to do later? How is he going to lead me? And if I do where he's leading me, I'm going to find actual life in all of those things. And if I don't go where he's leading me, what I'm going to find is probably frustration, confusion, and it doesn't go well. i got teenage kids, so that's kind of weird. Do you push into them or do you lay back, right? Because it's a dance. I've got a wife. Do I touch her or not today, right? Like, I don't know, right? You, you need life advice. <laughs> and that comes from the Holy Spirit in you. You need the rescue because we're not here to judge like, uh, well, saved, you're, you're good to go. I'm not the heaven and hell judge. I'm telling you the truth. I want you all in, sons and daughters of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with him more and more. In verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Right, that final judgment. Don't be confused. There is conviction like, oh, that was wrong. But, it's, but condemnation has a final nature to it. And when you feel condemned, what it is is like this. I, all, the always and never statements are signs of condemnation. Oh, I'm never going to get over this. Oh, this is always going to be this way. When you feel always and never, what do you do? You repeat it. I'm chubby and this is, this is like vanilla to say this, so, but you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have eaten that much. Oh, I'm always going to eat too much. I'm never going to stop eating so much. That makes me hungry, right? And the same thing goes with all the vices of the world. You, you give up. It's always going to be. It's never going to be that way. It's these condemning statements. In the power of God, people change. Things change. Eyes change. Ears change. This is, this is those condemning always never statements. The more you become a believer, I think you, you begin to start to feel like there's n- almost nothing you're 100% sure about other than Jesus. Right? I used to think this, but now God is changing my mind about it. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, if it weren't for Jesus, you're not going to arrive. You're going to be condemned I mean, you're driving a really fancy car 100 miles an hour towards a cliff, and you can't see it, right? The cliff is coming. Uh, the message paraphrased, put it like this. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed. And by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind son of God when introduced to him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I like how he said it. How will you respond when you're introduced to Jesus? Maybe you can help me with this end part here. Tell me about Jesus. Because some of us really need to remember, guys, this is what I'm loving about this John thing. Praying about it, we believe that God's like, listen, we've got to go back to the root where this started. We've gotten so complicated And so distracted, making the minor things major. Let's go back to the actual author, perfecter of our faith, the one that we met or are supposed to meet. And so I want your help. And the good news is I want you to help not only you in saying it, but help everyone else be remembered, but also, oh, dang, this kind of stinks because now... You guys got no excuse because you're going to be hearing about the real Jesus. And you can't persist, like, no one ever told me. Yes. So, I' lock the doors so people don't run out. But you've been hearing about the real Jesus, and now you're going to have to choose how to respond this day and every day. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about Jesus, somebody. He's our comforter. Oh, man. Let's just dwell there for a second. Anyone else, have you ever just needed comforting? Do you, know, you know what it feels like? Okay. Now, if you haven't, pay attention to this. Okay. Pay attention to this. The next time, all you really need to do is be comforted. Give Jesus a try sounds very unreligious, I know, but it's it's true because you'll try the other things, but not that. What does it look like to be comforted by Jesus? Can you explain anything like that? Helps you get out of bed. She said it helps you get out of bed the next day, and it keeps you taking one step forward you ever been in bed and not wanted to get out? Thank you. What, what did you say, Jamie? The greatest love you could ever find? Or no? Greatest love you could ever know. Could ever know. What's that look like? Feel like? What is it? I'm sorry. Acceptance. Yeah. 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 All encompassing. Okay. So what she's saying is, have you noticed how hard it is to just fall in somebody's arms to really be that vulnerable? Right. I'm putting a little bit different words. So if I'm going off, this stop me. Okay. How hard it is. Right. Like. I mean, when's the last time someone picked you up, right? Like, but to be vulnerable, to be known, because even the people closest to you, in their own humanity, it's really hard to just let yourself go and really just to receive that acceptance. Yeah, yeah. He's your constant. he's your constant he's always there everything that you do and why is that important? right? even when you do something wrong do you find that the rest of everything feels so you know inconsistent and volatile right? like oh yeah that always like oh yeah oh this is great what else? Assurance? Tell me more about that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is it safe to say on the end? I'll repeat that and you can correct me, but on the microphone is it safe to say it's almost that feeling of like it's gonna work out yeah so that assurance right what he's saying is it's like man he is always there for you he's he's always someone you can count on and so it almost gets to that point the more you walk with him you can sit in more confidence just to say no matter how hard this is it's gonna be okay like right like even if i go way the wrong way He's going to bring you back. What's that? Peace. Yeah, that peace comes from it, right? Because, I, you know, sometimes having, having a wife is such a good thing. Sometimes she's just like, you're worrying too much about that. It's, it's all going to come around anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's a healer. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So he's a healer. He's with you, and a lot of times you see you'll see people walk through a big, a big illness or or a diagnosis, and they get physical healing. Other times, the healing comes from he takes you, right? Yeah, it takes you home. It's a win-win, right? Like Paul, man. I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Do I keep living so I can live for Christ or do I get to die and gain? Yeah. Someone else? You're washed. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah, that's what she said, that, that being washed. Because so many things, mistakes that we make or things that happen to you, they'll make you feel filthy. But the only thing that can really cleanse you is the, is the blood of Christ. And so, and until you receive that and believe it's true, right? And I'm not saying that in a religious term, but really like, no, I really believe it right now. I can come before God and, be, and say, I feel filthy like because of what I've been through. What I've done, and I need to be cleansed new. And until you actually believe that that can happen, you won't do it. You'll stay in the filth. And I think that is the truth. The truth is, it always comes down to you don't act a certain way because you don't believe that's the right way to act. So when your believing changes, your behaviors change. We got to get past the change your behavior right now and past the, oh, my behavior doesn't matter. Both of those lies, the truth is, once my belief changes, and sometimes believing, my belief changing means walking out in it. Right? That's where the action comes in. Because the heart is, I really want to change. Right? Go back to that example. If a person really wants to change their life, I smoke and I don't like it. It always has to start with not smoking. Right? Well, the works don't, no, yeah, but you will smoke forever until you stop smoking. I, I keep gaining weight. I'm eating, you're going to have to eat less. I'm addicted to something. Yeah, you can't stop eating, eating less, that's why. But do you see that? So I, anyway, it sounds like a generic TED Talk, but everyone who's, who's come past something, through something, overcome something, there was always a moment when they, their belief changed and they believed there was a way out and then they walked it out. And that's where John 3, 16, 17, and 18 have to hit us. So gentlemen, I want to invite you guys back up. And uh, if you play instrumentally for a little while, like we always do. And here's the invitation. Um, I propose to you that John 3, 16, 17, and 18 is actually a, a section of scripture that's helpful for everyone. Okay? Whether you came to the wrong place today, you thought this was a spa or something, and you came in the wrong place, or you're 155 years old and you were born at church, okay? and everyone in between. No matter if you feel like you've never done something wrong, which you're wrong, or you think you do everything wrong, which you're also wrong, and, and everyone in between who's telling some version of the truth. Here's, here's what's happening, okay? I, what I want us to do is I want us to pray together. We don't do this enough. I keep telling you you're the church. I don't let you do it. Start thinking about that, right? Because what do you do? You go to church. Why don't you come up here to the holy man? And I'll pray for you in a magical way that's more powerful than how Sue could pray for you. Wrong, wrong. Like, this has to stop. So what if you guys prayed for each other? Pray for each other. Where you're at, if you need me, I don't have holy prayers, but I'm just a person like you, okay? But if we would pray, if we need to come, we need to let this scripture bathe over you. And I'll I'll start by reading it again, okay? I want you to accept the fact that God loved you so much that he sent his son to rescue you. I would bet all the money I have, which, you know, quite a bit, that there isn't a person here today that doesn't need a rescue. And there's not a person here that wouldn't benefit from believing that there's rescue available. So could you pray that for each other? I'm gonna read and then we'll pray. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever could just muster up enough belief to believe in him not perish but have real life for God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Because whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now pray. We pray for one another. You're so bold.